0: Hey all you cool cats and kittens, this is Carol.
1: And this is Marge.
0: Episode four? Four. Yikes.
1: We've made it a month. Well, this would be a month. Well,
0: technically this would be a month. Yeah, we made it. Um, last week, I think, uh, yeah, it was a it was a really, really good episode.
1: Yeah, we got a lot of good feedback on it. People seem to enjoy it.
0: Are we still ahead of Geller's Listens?
1: I don't know. I don't know how many listens he has, but we have quite a few subscribers now, so that's great. We do? Yeah. We
0: have actual subscribers? We do. We
1: maybe. have like 20 on iTunes. And Wait, sp-
0: we have 20 subscribers on iTunes? iTunes?
1: And then on Spotify, we've got like nine more.
0: Maybe we we'll, Maybe we should start asking beer companies like Chad Wesley Smith to donate us beer and Sweet Like. This is brought to you by blah, blah, blah.
1: I mean, today's is brought to you by Wrench. Which is a Northeast India Pale Ale from Industrial Arts Brewing Company. And then what's yours brought to you by?
0: We'll have to work on your promo pieces.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Shut up.
0: Uh, mine's brought to you by Minky Boodle from Resurgence Brewing No,
1: Brewing? it's Thin Man, Carly. I don't know.
0: It's brought to you by a different beer company.
1: we got to work on your promotions.
0: <laughs> You're right. Man. Correction Corner, Carly.
1: We're not good at promotions. No, no. <laughs> don't sponsor us yet. Don't
0: sponsor us yet. We'll figure it out. <laughs>
1: We also have to thank uh, Brianna Brink for sponsoring this video by icing us right before we started recording. Yeah,
0: that was uh, terrible. I literally almost vomited. I think there's video footage of how disgusting my face looks
1: And, just a disclaimer, Carly only drank half of his and then Mm -mm. dumped the other half into my my garden.
0: I drank seven eighths, and then I dumped the eighth out. It was more than an eighth. No, it was not. I swear to God. (laughs) It sounded wet because it's wet outside, so it sounded like a lot. Anyways. Yeah. No, uh, last week um, I think was a uh, little little um, precursor to what we're going to talk about today. Today we're going to talk a lot about coaching. Yes. Uh, I'm going to talk about what encompasses a good coach, what people should kind of look for um, in a coach, um, and we'll kind of discuss a little bit more about one-on-one coaching um versus team sport coaching
1: yes we'll talk about different styles of coaching um different Mm -hmm. variations that we both have experience with
0: and and quite honestly i mean we can talk a little bit about uh what hasn't worked in the past for us i mean there are certain personalities that definitely uh or you know uh, our own personal biases that we would have towards uh towards someone in a coach and, you know, pet peeves that could really um, not help us um, be um, helping them out to the fullest of our extent. So um, some things that we can definitely touch on. It's probably going to be a lengthier episode because there's a lot of topics that we want to talk about with this and we want to get as much detail as we can uh, yes. out there. So
1: so I guess we should start with what we coach personally, right? Yeah. So... Um, I coach not only strength training, but I also dabble in uh, intercollegiate athletics, too. I've been a track and field coach now for um, over six years. And I coach specifically the throwing events at a Division two college in the area, um, Damon College. And I coach the men and the women. And then obviously with my business, um, I act as a strength conditioning coach. For multiple athletes, I also have experience being a one-on-one coach, um, and I guess this isn't necessarily coaching, but I was also a group exercise instructor. So,
0: no, yeah, I mean that's still coaching. I mean it, yeah. it's you can take a lot of your I feel like um, any aerobic class I guess is a good way of saying it is um, you can take a lot of the one-on-one strength coaching or one-on-one coaching uh, to an aerobic class and still be Pretty successful,
1: for sure.
0: Um, I feel as though team sport coaching sometimes could not be uh, as beneficial, just because I think there's a lot more. Um, I don't want to say a lot more at stake, uh, but I think like in, in a uh, team sport, you know, whether it's collegiate, high school, or just an Olympic ball sport uh, team setting, um, everyone. I feel as though is on a different page than when you're talking about a group X yeah, uh, type sure. of type of mentality. So, um, and that's something we'll get into a little bit. But uh, so, what do you coach? I coach quite a bit, uh, but again, mine is very, very just one to one. We have a team because you know I, I own the gym, so uh, that is our team, and, and that gets um, dispersed, you know, with the remote guys too uh, and girls. Uh, remote guys and girls across the country and world for that matter. Um, yeah, so I mean, it, it, it is a team, but it's very one-on-one. It, it's very one-to-one. It's you and that person doing that thing at that time. Uh, whether that's uh, weightlifting, whether that's uh, powerlifting, whether that's strong men. Um, and that's pretty much it. I mean, I've pretty much, and bo- I guess bodybuilding, mm-hmm. if you want to umbrella bodybuilding between the women uh, and the men. Um, we'll just umbrella is it. bodybuilding. I'm not going to get into individualized, like figure, bikini, bodybuilding, physique, classic physique. I mean, it's. I'm you just, just gonna listed them, anyways? But I'm not going to list them for my people. <laughs> Thanks, Marge. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, uh, those are pretty much the four sports that I, I currently coach. Um, again, we talked a little bit about it last week, and I, I don't do too much team coaching anymore. Um, and even if it is a team, it's not any more than like seven to 10 of the team. So yep, nothing too crazy. So we'll give a little bit different perspective. Maggie's still in the the team realm, um, a lot more than I, so she can kind of have a little bit more insight on that.
1: Yeah. It's, it's different kind of depending on which hat I'm wearing. So if I'm coaching over at Damon, it's obviously I'm coaching a team. You know, I have a group of throwers that... I coach the men and the women, um, and they each are going to specialize in their own respective events, and, you know, we handle practice as a group, so, you know, our conditioning will probably likely be all the same. Um, whatever event we're training for that day, whether it be, so indoor track, we've got the shot put and the weight throw. Um, we'll usually separate those and train one per day. I'm a big proponent of drilling um, when it comes to throwing. I don't just let them rep after rep after rep of full throws. I think that's silly. Mm -hmm. Um, So if we're going to dedicate a day to the weight throw, we're going to fully drill the weight throw. And there's some modification in drill selection, depending on the athlete. Like, you know, I have, and if they're listening to this, they'll know exactly who they are, but I have some athletes who don't know how to sit when Mm. they're doing the weight throw. It's most of my athletes, but um, a lot of them don't know how to sit. I have some that can't counteract the weight, which is a totally different part of the skill. So I might have some of them doing, like, a barbell turn while someone else is doing, like, a plate turn. So it can vary. Um, But the overall goal is the same for that day and that we're trying to improve on a specific event. Now, for outdoor, it's a little bit different. Um, I add some more athletes because a lot of the runners and jumpers will start to come in to throw the javelin. Plus, we add a couple more events. So we've got the shot put, the discus the hammer throw, and then the javelin. So during a practice, I might be coaching three people in the jav, two people in the disc, and two people in the shot all the same day. So I kind of have to bounce from one to the other to the other. And within that, they might be doing a specific drill that's set for them in that regard. So with my team coaching for collegiate athletics, it's still pretty individualized. Um, And then for work, um, we... I mean, I guess they're both jobs, but for, for IFS, which I could just call work, um, everyone who comes to us has their own specific program, but everyone's coming in kind of at the same time. So we might have, you know, 15 athletes in at once, and you have to still be able to coach, like, one person might have a max effort squat, and one person will probably have a volume bench, one person has a dynamic push press, and you have to kind of bounce from person to person. Um, so it's still a group but it's an individualized group.
0: So let's go back to something you said when you first spoke about coaching at Damon. You said you have to wear a different hat. What would you say is the biggest difference between your team coaching at IFS and then your team coaching um, at Damon? Like, mm-hmm. what would be uh, two different uh, two different discrepancies in the hats that you're wearing?
1: Um, I mean, <laughs> my vocabulary is different. So
0: okay,
1: I... What I mean by that is I can use a different way of coaching with my collegiate athletes. They're a bit older, they're adults. Um, I can be harder on them. You know, I can come down on them a bit more, and talk to them, kind of as on the same level. You know, I don't like to necessarily put myself above them, um, but I also don't want to be their friend. But we have a good mutual respect for one another professionally, and then with my IFS athletes. A lot of them... I do have some college kids, but a lot of them are younger. So I look at myself more in almost like a teacher position. Okay. So um, the way I conduct myself is in more of a superior role. Like, you know, you're going to do this because I said so <laughs> type of scenario. True. Um, not that I don't do that with my Damon athletes, but they have some knowledge that we can have a more mature conversation about it. Well,
0: I mean, I feel like it's also... Um... More of a respect factor, too. Like, the older they are, you would typically find that they would have more of a respect for you. You know, if you're talking to a 12 or a 22-year-old, that 10 years of personal growth can definitely have, um, you know, a a better way of communicating with them. Especially in an athletic sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, not to say that I... There's some 12-year-olds that I could have a pretty legit conversation with. And I have had... A couple athletes one in particular um that i could not have a normal conversation with mm-hmm. you know it was he viewed himself based on his uh degree he was pursuing um he viewed himself as a superior to me mm-hmm. and we butt heads and so it made for an, an unpleasant coaching experience
0: well we'll save that for the uh pet peeves i guess in coaching sure because you know not this is a i guess coaching is a is a working relationship right it is yeah you know you're working with a team as opposed to a one-on-one, and I'm, and, and you know there are some aspects of individuals that can definitely get to you a little bit.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, but also in the same breath, like as an athlete, you should also be self-aware of something that you're doing. You mm-hmm. know, it's not all one way or all the other way. You know, and it's there's definitely a mutual um, responsibility. I guess is a good way of saying it to to each other.
1: Yeah, I think that's important with with coaching. I guess we can kind of touch on this later when we talk about how to find a coach
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, because you do want that mutual mm-hmm. respect. Absolutely
0: want that respect. Um, but what would be another different uh, um, hat that you would have to wear between between Damon and IFS?
1: Um, I think another big one and I kind of talked about this last night when we were um, having a zoom chat with everybody. Um, with Damon I don't deal with parents as much. You know, it's more the athletes are the responsible party. Um, And with IFS, I do have parents and coaches to answer to. Now, I guess the trade-off with that is with Damon, I have... I'm low man on the totem pole. So, like, I ultimately have to answer to administration. Yeah. And, you know, I'm fortunate to be in a in a um, system where administration's wonderful. Like, even... With this whole, you know, COVID scenario, they've kept everyone on payroll, you know? So it's like, they're a community that I'm grateful to be a part of. I know some colleges, coaches, especially assistant coaches, don't have that luxury. No. Um, I mean, they're the first to go. Um, but yeah, with IFS, you know, I've got, if a kid's underperforming in the weight room, um, you know, you have to answer to the parent who's paying the bill. Mm-hmm. You know, so they have to come in and be like, well, you know, my son's goal was to put on this amount of weight in the summer and he didn't. What happened? Not that that, no, that never happens with us, but, um, you know, that's something that you could potentially have to answer for. Or if you have a coach who signs up his whole team and wants to see a specific outcome, you have to be ready to follow through on mm-hmm. that. So if my athletes at Damon don't do well, it's my own fault, um... And I kind of just answered to myself.
0: I mean, it can't just solely be your fault, you know, yeah, if true. an athlete doesn't do well. I mean, there's a lot of factors, I think, that go into an athlete's performance, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's, uh, it could just be an off day. It could be that the training wasn't right, you know, if they're not. And I guess, um, you know, something that we can de- uh, go into on the team coaching is, as a team, if they're not performing well, do you feel as though that's the coach's fault,
1: Um, when we have a team that's underperforming, I think it's important to look at the dynamic of the team. Mm -hmm. You know, if the team's not really acting as a team, then they're going to underperform. If it's a bunch of individuals, and the same can arguably go for powerlifting, right? Like, yes, Mm -hmm. it's such an individualized sport, but, you know, if you just have a bunch of individuals who are lifting versus a community or a team that's really like pulling for one another it's going to make a big difference
0: yeah and i think that uh you know i think goes along a lot more into the training culture yeah and you know again like we've talked about this not on a podcast but we've talked about this in length um you know in the gym or or just around each other but it's um it starts from the top yes right i mean And I think that also gets explained in team coaching, right? I mean, it starts with the coach. If you're not creating that culture, if you're not creating the environment for that individual to succeed, how are they going to get any better? Right. And think about, um, you know, I guess we'll play hometown favorites here, but think about what the Buffalo Bills did over the last, uh, how long has McDermott been there? Three years? Three years, yes. Uh, His tenure with the Bills over the last three years have been pretty Awesome. If you can if you can think about what he's actually done. He's literally gotten rid of every single player who doesn't buy into the program and they find someone to fill that hole and will buy into the program. Yes. Um, I mean, that's on a very professional level scale, mm-hmm. but the same rules apply for everything else. You play the players, they might not be the best players, but if they're going to be a, the best players for that individual moment in time, then they're probably going to perform really well. Yeah, and I that's... mean,
1: you think of it like a machine, right? So if you, you could have a bunch of, like, individuals who... <laughs> I'm going to get real weird. But think of the Power Rangers. Okay. Okay, so each of the Power Rangers are pretty good on their own. But then what do they do? They come together and make a giant machine, right? Yeah. Um, that's how a team dynamic works.
0: Yeah. It's very... You're... Um... Yeah, I think you hit the nail right on the head. I was trying to make a Go Go Power Rangers joke, but it wasn't there. 90s kids. Um, I really wasn't a Power Rangers-esque type person, but the analogy that you make to team coaching is very um, is a very good one. I think that's I think that's what eh, even though they don't necessarily have a coach, right. but they kind of coach themselves into working as one. And, and I think at the end of the day, if a coach can um, Uh, help them and aid them to that experience I think that that's where you're going to see the most success
1: yeah and I think being a strength coach too you have a unique opportunity to create that relationship Mm -hmm. because when you know athletes are in a practice with their head coach they might just be focusing on whatever drill the head coach has for them but in the weight room there's a lot of like team dynamics going on Mm -hmm. you know that's where a lot of that team rapport comes into play like
0: yeah so i think uh if you look at let's go with the quote-unquote best strength and conditioning coaches in the world you think about alabama mm-hmm. as as probably the number one just because uh, of what they've created uh you look at you know youtube videos um, infamous videos of derrick henry going literally in the locker room after uh you know, a blowout win and squatting 500 pounds literally right after the game, like like a boss. That's something he has done. I think his name is Tom Cochran, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yes. I, I get. I know the last name is Cochran. I always get the first name wrong, but I think it's Tom Cochran. And he's not even the highest paid strength and conditioning coach in the NCAA. Uh, I think there are three more that are um, paid more than him. Iowa State. In Ohio State, and then it's Tom Cochran.
1: We're getting Google
0: verification. Google's, on that. Google's helping us out. <laughs> um but I mean he, he's been there for years, literally years. And he's created such a big culture in the strength and conditioning realm that he can pretty much do no wrong. Right. And say what you want about his programming. It's very, very much a rah-rah rah. rah, rah uh, let's get hyped up, let's slap each other up, let's cheer. You see those crazy YouTube videos and Instagram videos of the team huddled around the one kid cheering them on. Like, that's an everyday thing at Alabama. And it's insane. Um,
1: We're getting Google confirmation on whether or not Carly was right.
0: Oh, this just happened. Scott Cochran, not Tom Cochran.
1: Correction corner, Scott Cochran.
0: And he Scott Cochran is no longer the head coach in Alabama well interesting please um, disregard
1: everything Carly just said I do that however
0: daily. that just happened this year like literally as of March 1st so either he's retiring or something else you never know hmm interesting but anyways the the... Um, the what I said is still holds true. Um, I mean, what he's being able to create there, I think, will live on for the legacy. Yeah, I mean, it's just what Alabama is all about. Um, obviously, they've been some of the best football, college football teams in, in years. Now, is that everything to do with team strength conditioning? No, but if you start with the front office, and then you start with Nick Saban, then you go to Cochran. There's obviously some sort of lineage that everyone is on the same page. Yes, And I think when you talk about bigger, you know, if you talk about IFS as a, compared to Mustache, you guys obviously have a bigger operation, yes. right? If you talk about IFS to Alabama, uh, University of Alabama, they have a bigger... We're um, the same. Yeah, right? They have a bigger program. But everyone is still bought in on the same level and on the same page. And I think that that's, I think the biggest... When you're trying to create an environment, that's the biggest key that you need.
1: Yeah, I think that's something that, um, you know, managing so much staff and so many different coaches. I mean, we've got not only strength coaches, but now we've added skill coaches in the sports of softball and basketball. So, um, obviously, I'm not going to tell Alexis what to tell her girls to coach, right? Like, Alexis is a guru at softball for a reason. Kyle's Mm -hmm. the guru at basketball for a reason. But we can teach them our you know, methodology in a sense of how, how we cue people. Like we have a touchstone sure. that we hang, um, in the facility so that our coaches are constantly reminded of, you know, why we're there and what our, our goal is. So, you know, a coach coaching hitting versus a coach coaching a bench press is going to know that attention to detail, you know, service form, all of that is going to be, Yeah the base of our philosophy.
0: I mean, think about what uh, Notre Dame has on uh, at their tunnel for the players when they go out, play like a champion, right? Yeah. And that's been there for how long?
1: Yeah, a long, long time. long time.
0: Um, I guess one thing I want to touch on before we, we move on from team coaching, you also technically have a third team that you coach, which are your um, employees yeah. that you have, as well as kind of your other um, business partners in this, you know, you guys work as a team. So what would you say if you talk about, um, the team dynamic, you know, you say you wear different hats for different occasions, you know, what kind of hat would you say is the most prevalent hat when you're talking to your IFS team?
1: I mean, it's, it's a unique scenario that I'm in with the IFS team because everyone brings something different to the table and everyone's kind of got their own unique personality for why we're successful right like tom's the analytical one like he's gonna really break down our methodologies and our, our why um you know then we have kyle and alexis who are so good at connecting you know they have this presence about them that you know, whoever they work with immediately loves whatever they are telling them to do um you know then That level of connection falls all the way down to the rest of our staff. Like, the kids love Jeff. The kids love Dom. um, Will, Justin, Amanda, Helen. Like, everyone who they're working with, um, they're able to connect. So, I think the big thing that I'm always trying to maintain, no matter how much staff we add, is that community. You know? Mm -hmm. um, Alexis and I just had a meeting about this today. Like, even though we're virtual, we're still trying to maintain our community. You know, we want our softball parents to be connecting with us and texting us. I just had a FaceTime call with a client yesterday, and um, I want our staff to feel okay with that. Like, we're creating these relationships that we're truly passionate about. We're truly looking to make a difference in someone's life. Um, And every single staff member that I have, I'm fully confident that they can do that. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to coaching um, the staff, I think it's just coaching – the traits of humanity, if that makes sense. like That makes sense. Yeah, like, but, I'm obviously going to teach them how to, like, cue the way we want.
0: But you also have to give, you know, Tom and you have to give uh, each other credit. I mean, think about the retention you guys have with also employees. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys don't lose many employees.
1: And the only reason we do is because they go on to bigger and better things. You know, we've You've, had people go off to be PTs and...
0: You, you have, you guys have created that environment that attracts a good team, yeah. you know, and, and they stay. I mean, that's, I mean, at the end of the day, that's, that's the biggest thing, right? People want to be a part of something great. Yeah. You know, the, and if they see that you guys are doing something great and we'll get into, you know, <clears throat> that's not always the deeming of success when it comes to one-on-one. Um, type coaching. But when you talk about a team environment and you see the entire staff and the entire team is working as one and you don't really have too many outliers, if you can think about all of the staff on IFS, you guys all work together.
1: Yeah, we do. And I think the clients definitely see that, which is why they feel so comfortable working Mm -hmm. with us. Yeah. We we can be in the gym joking around, but we'll also get down to business.
0: Yeah. Uh, Which, I mean, I think at the end of the day, we're coming back to the same... Sort of um, concept of of it needs to have a certain type of environment to be successful as a coach. Yes,
1: and I think as a
0: coach, you have to create that environment, and not much is different from uh, not much is different from one on one, you know. But I think as a, as a team dynamic, it is very very apparent that you need to have a certain uh, culture.
1: You're right. Yeah, you're absolutely right.
0: Yeah, I think that covers about. A lot of it for team coaching. Yes. You got anything else you want to wanna add on that before we move on?
1: Um, I don't think so. I mean, the thing with team coaching is, you know, my biggest philosophy is to still treat everyone as an individual. You know, even if they're still doing the same program, um, there's everyone's going to be able to change something different. And that is going to make an impact on the athlete or the client themselves by showing that you care about that.
0: Would you say that would be the hardest part about team coaching?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you've got, I would say, figuring out how to cue each one as an individual, but then also matching and balancing all of the different personalities of the team. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a kid who's quiet and then you've got, you know, Mr. Hotshot,
0: yeah. you've got to be
1: able to coach them both in the same room at the same time. So how do you how do you do that? Yeah. So that's definitely a challenge, but it's a fun challenge. Yeah. So I, I, I enjoy it. It keeps things exciting.
0: Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Yeah. So one on one, I guess we'll go with just strength coaching. I mean, one on one coaching, I guess, is a good way of going about it because, I mean, if you're personal training, if there's any personal trainers listening, um, it's kind of the same concept. Of yeah. One on one strength coaching. At the end of the day, you're training a person for a goal. For a goal, yeah. And uh, it's mm-hmm. the, 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 the name might change, but the, the the values and the concepts and the philosophy doesn't. Um, I you know I put out today and I had a lot of people be very receptive uh, in forthcoming. I mean, a lot of them were my own clients, so I'm not going to use too much of that information because it's a biased opinion. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm, I'm very, your
1: client. I could be uh, honest. <laughs>
0: You're right. You can be very honest. <laughs> uh, you could also be too honest, which I'm not really. Yeah. That's true, yeah, I'm not looking for either. I'm just kidding. But um, no, honestly, I, I, I created a top three for myself um, in, you know, values and traits that I really hold on uh, to one out for one on one coaching. Um, you know, I'll always sit down or have a FaceTime or at least get information from the client before I always start with them. I mean, I feel like that's the proper way of going about it for any sort of goal, any sort of uh, person out there. You need to understand what they're looking for, number one, because how are you supposed to motivate them or understand what they're looking for Absolutely. if you haven't even sat down with them? And I've had plenty of people, I don't want to say get pissed off, but definitely plenty of people who um, questioned why we need to sit down first before I just give them numbers, weights, reps, and sets. And it's like, no, it's a little bit more than that. I, I need to understand. And also, you know, now I'm in my career where I can say no. I can say no to people. Right. And I'll get to that in a little bit. But um, but at the, if, at the start, I mean, for me, I don't want to do anyone a disservice, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to, you know, if you find out, you sure, you might see that I'm good at my job, but that doesn't necessarily mean being a good coach for you yes um but that's why you always sit down with people right like you need to understand if you guys are going to mesh and i think now in my career over the last year i've i've learned that that is so much more important like if you're not driving with someone you guys aren't on the same vibes or energy systems like it's just not going to work regardless of how great of an athlete they might be or how good of a coach um i or someone else might be if you guys aren't on the same uh level playing field i think that that's Um, a really big issue. And I think that happens a lot with people, especially in this day and age and culture. And I think that's my point number one. Don't always allow um, results to just speak for themselves, right? You should dig a little bit deeper. And that's what I think the eval is mostly for. Like giving an example, right? I've trained numerous, I mean, you can attest to this too, I mean, for your own self. You've trained at this point in your career so many different types of people. Yes. You have trained um, anyone I've trained now, anyone as young as 9 and as old as 74. Like, I've had a very vast range, excuse me, a very large range of different clientele.
1: Yeah. And for
0: similar goals. The 9-year-old and the 74-year-old are doing literally the same thing.
1: I mean, ultimately, yeah, it's all pretty similar.
0: And I've had, you know, not to get political here, but we've had way too far left and way too far right people still come into the same facility, and I work with both of them. Yep. Um, you know, if it's a topic I feel uncomfortable with, it's usually a topic that I'm not going to tell them I feel uncomfortable with because I'm not trying to give them a, a, biased, or a biased opinion on anything. Um, but it's definitely something that I will not dig deeper into. I mean, it's definitely something I won't um, keep talking about if I feel uncomfortable.
1: Just change the
0: subject. Yes. Um, but I think you need to be on that same level. And, and I think that that's uh, a number one. Yes. And once you reach that certain level, um, I think that that's the start of the relationship. Right? Because at the end of the day, not to treat this like a, a romantic relationship, but at the end of the day, it's a relationship. If yeah. you guys can't match energy systems, it's not going to further, it's not going to be a good start to the relationship. Right? Right. Like... At first, if you want to talk about it in a romantic way, what do you look for first? Am I going to mesh with this person? You get to know more about Are you them. compatible? Yes. You know, that's why blind dates can either be really good or really bad. Yeah. But you know you usually get to know someone first before you're actually going to commit to going on a date. Or you're going to look into it more, whether it's through social media or whatever. And that's what the evals for. Mm-hmm. You get to know and understand about each other. I want them to know about me. I'm an open book when it comes to coaching. I don't hide anything. I'm not trying to hide anything, um, and they can ask me anything that they want. Now you get certain clients who don't need as much, so they might not ask you as many questions as someone else, um, or someone who's very needy and will ask you literally every question (laughs) known to man.
1: Yeah, those are always fun.
0: Um, And then I think the second point, uh, after we go with matching, matching, let's just go with matching energy systems. Um, The second point was. Belief. You both have to believe in each other. Yes, that's big. If you are coming to someone for a service, coming to a coach, that coach needs to believe in you 100% of the time. Asterisk next to that. When you have goal settings, let's just say it's a new person. Never squatted a day in their life. And they said, I want to squat 500 uh, pounds by the summer. And if that coach says, yeah. that's going to happen, you should probably step right out of that eval right then and there. Because yeah. they are just blowing smoke up your ass. They're bullshitting you. There is, You should have realistic conversations with someone, uh, with that prospective coach. But also that coach should also be realistic with you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Don't set unrealistic expectations. If you say, I want to be the best in, in the country, I want to be the best in my state. Okay, that's a goal to have, but don't put a timeline on it, because then you're restricting yourself to not see progress. Yes.
1: You have to be okay with the steps to getting there.
0: Absolutely. But at the end of the day, coach and athlete relationship should have 100% trust in each other that they're going to make the right calls for each other. Yes. And the coach should also believe in the athlete that they're capable of doing what they're set out to do. Don't ever set yourself up... Don't ever have a coach set yourself, uh, set you up for failure, mm-hmm. um, which is huge. Uh, you you don't want that. Yeah. Um, I think that that's a good way of me saying it. And this is briefly touching on pet peeves. I never want to want something more than my athlete.
1: Yeah, that's that's a big one.
0: If I want, I'm, I'm just going to use the analogy of 500 pounds again. If I want that person to squat 500 pounds more than they do, how am I supposed to believe in that athlete as a coach?
1: Yeah, you're too invested at that point and they're not.
0: And and I think that's, you know, Leah can probably touch on this a lot more. You know, I am so hard on myself when things don't go the way that the athlete and I intend them on going. But also, I'm extremely hard on myself to get the job done. Yeah. You know, I want that person to execute what they've set out to do. You know, if our job is to do the best that we can, then damn well we're going to do the best that we can. If our goal is to win, we're going to try to win. Mm -hmm. If our goal is to just do better than the last time, then damn well we're going to do better than the last time. Um, But yeah, that's definitely, I think. also a big hardship with with it because you put an immense pressure on yourself
1: yeah i think any coach would agree with that if it if they're truly coaching for the right reasons like mm-hmm. you know you're coaching to help someone else get to where they need to be so you are putting that pressure on yourself to help them get there like yeah they can do so much but you're the one providing them the tools to do that so mm-hmm. um you know the same thing can go for anything you know, if one of my kids doesn't have a great meet, I definitely take it to heart, and I feel bad, because then you're replaying the scenarios in your head, like, what did we not work on enough, or what did I not help them with enough um, to help them get there? But it's, it's a fine line, because, you know, we're not the ones going on the platform or going into the circle. Like, that's the scary part of coaching, is at that point, you're not in control. Yeah. Like, you let go of control as soon as the competition starts. Yeah. And... That's definitely a, a tough part of, of coaching, is, yeah. especially because most coaches are control freaks. Yeah. So absolutely. to let go of that control is nerve wracking. Yeah. But it can be very rewarding. Absolutely,
0: and, and you know, as as a good coach would do, you put the plan in place for them to succeed. Yeah. As best as that athlete can at that certain time. Yes. Um, and I guess another one is success, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, not that every coach should experience. Uh, an abnormal amount of success, but they should have some success Absolutely. under the belt. Whether it's um, personally, whether it's professionally, whether it's in coaching, what may have you? They should have some success in their life, um, and, and results should speak for themselves. Yes. You know, and, and not that. And this is something I want to touch on when we talk about what you look for when you're finding a coach. You know, these are all traits during the coaching. Um, that should happen yes. right i saw a video today from sbd they put out all of sam calhoun's 500 pound deadlifts and 500 pound fails right And she worked over a year to gain five pounds on on um one lift if
1: yeah, those of you who don't know who sam calhoun is look her up she's an absolute animal
0: yes and she is a great strength coach
1: unbelievable
0: um she owns a great gym um she's also a f- phenomenal competitor mm-hmm. um Probably one of the best competitors in the game of powerlifting. Um, Very good composure. um, As well as she's just a badass. Um, But anyway, Sam Calhoun is probably one of the most prevalent faces in USA powerlifting. And they put out a video today of all of her deadlift attempts. And I think there was about 60% of the lifts were made. Um, uh, You know, it was probably three out of five. I think that equals 60% or something close to that. Um... And I think what people have a misconception of, sure, she made five-pound progress in a year. She's also the top of the top of the top. So five pounds is a big deal for her. Right? Yeah. Five pounds is like milestone-ish, like world-record, drug-tested, world-record-setting stuff. Yes. If you're only make, If you just started off, and you only make five pound progress in a year, in a lift. Chances are that we should relook something over time. Not saying that that's a um, not a good accomplishment, but there could be other things that are looked at, um, you know, during that time. And you, also, you can't. You, the coach should not allow you to compare yourself to other people, right? Like, if person X is seeing an uns Unbelievable amount of progress, and person Y is not. There might be a reason you have no idea, but don't go and start comparing yourself to other people and their progress. But you should definitely see some sort of results, and they should have some sort of results to speak for themselves when you're going through that first initial eval. You know, these three traits are something you should be looking at. Um, in that coach, can you see yourself long term with this coach? And that's something that we'll touch on. when we talk about when you're looking for a coach, but results are definitely a big one. You know, I
1: think you hit on a good point too, talking about comparing, because I think a lot of times the challenge for a coach is to prevent your athlete from comparing, especially with social media and access to Instagram and the internet. And like, you know,
0: yeah,
1: we just had this with conference, you know, our conference championships, my athletes are going online and looking at the performance sheet and like, so-and-so is throwing this far, and, like, I'm only throwing this far. It's Mm -hmm. like, it only matters the day of. Yeah. So it's hard to, I get it, because I do the same thing every time I'm going into a meet, I look at who's (laughs) entered. But, so it's human nature, like, I understand. But um, from a coaching perspective, it's just important to kind of keep your athletes focused on what they're doing and kind of staying in their lane.
0: Yes. And that's also the coach's job. And we'll get to meet day type coaching, but at the end of the day, the athlete is there to compete, not to coach. Yes. Um, the coach's job is to coach the athlete for that event, not to um, let the athlete coach themselves right. and make decision calls. Like, the athlete is there to do the thing that they're there to do and the thing that they're good at and the thing that they're either paying to do or going to school to do or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't be over analyzing anything except executing the plan that the coach and them have sought out but that's also something that that relationship should be portrayed during that whole time
1: right you were absolutely right yeah so i think that's that's important when you're you're choosing a coach is you gotta you know have that mutual understanding and that mutual um game plan that you know this is the way things are going to be um you know anytime i'm recruiting um i just had a recruit sign on this year who said that the reason... She was looking at a couple big schools. I'm not going to name what they are, but they have established throwing programs. Mm -hmm. And the reason that she ended up committing to Damon is because she had faith in our process. You know, she understood what I ask of my athletes up front at the very beginning, and, you know, what the athletes ask of me.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, so it's it's important to establish that relationship with your coach right away um, from an athlete perspective. Like, you know, I can speak on both sides because you are my coach and you know, how many times have we had conversations about what's what the game plan is? Right. Um, you know, there's all sorts of things that are going on with scheduling or with work demands or whatever, but I know that when I'm working with Carly, he's going to game plan for what I'm capable of and what I can handle Mm-hmm. and if it's not the case then we revisit it and we correct it um, so that it's really important when you're choosing your coach to have that
0: yes and that co- encompasses that really good working relationship yeah. that you need to have and i mean i guess a good subset of that is patience you know perseverance passion under- compassion yeah. understanding and honestly at the end of the day just not being a dick yeah i mean you shouldn't be a dick to your athletes i mean uh, in my field and in Maggie's field, they're paying you money. Uh, mm-hmm. Just don't be a dick. If um, you're you're talking in an athletic setting, usually being a dick is not going to get you very far um, with college kids, especially.
1: They'll push back hard. Yeah,
0: I mean you, you 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 know you see it on in professional. I mean, granted, there's no sports on now, but you see it in professional sports. Dick yeah. coaches don't really get great results there are a few but there's a backstory behind them right mm-hmm. like there's there's obviously some sort of backstory of how they got to that point and again it comes to a control thing yeah. and I think there's a fine line of every coach has some sort of control um mm-hmm. control freak in them yes but it's a mm-hmm. what level is that control freak in is that control freak in? Oh, you said you were gonna be here at five o'clock and you're here at five oh five. What the fuck is wrong with you? Mm -hmm. Or is your coach, Okay, why'd you go off program? That's a bunch of shit. Like you know that you shouldn't do that. Yes. There's a difference of what level that that um that there should be. And again, that goes into pet peeves that we will talk about as um
1: Yeah, I guess we could talk about those now probably.
0: Yeah, so I think a good good segue into that, you know, give me three of your biggest pet peeves on a uh, what really gets to you on a coach to athlete relationship.
1: Well, um
0: Well, let's we'll, let's keep it to 3. Let's keep, <laughs> let's no, keep think, it to 3.
1: I think a big one for me is knowing your roles. Like Okay. And I'm not going to say that in a sense of I'm the boss, and you have to listen. But I think it's it goes back to that mutual trust and understanding of, like, what I have planned to happen is going to happen. So my pet peeve is when you question that. Yeah. You know, there's an appropriate way to question it, and there's an appropriate way to kind of talk about things.
0: I've kicked people out for questioning me in a certain kind of way. Yeah, like, don't... You can approach it very differently.
1: Yes, like, there's a reason that I'm in the position that I'm in. And there's a reason when it comes to coaching. And, you know, there's a reason, I guess, that I've gotten to where I am with IFS, is that I kind of know what I need to do to be there. Yeah. Um, and you don't want to sound cocky by any means when you're talking about this stuff. No. But you can also be confident in your own knowledge and your own skill set, you know? So, like, yeah, maybe I wasn't throwing the farthest as an athlete, but I have the kinesiology logical knowledge. I have the biomechanical knowledge. I have, you know, all of this, the physiological and, and the psychological knowledge mm-hmm. of what an athlete needs to do to be successful. I never threw the shot put as a rotational shot putter, but I can coach someone how to throw it. And I think it's just trusting that if you give me what you need, I will get you there.
0: And it's something we briefly touched on last week. Yeah. Not all the best athletes make the best coaches. Yeah,
1: I was yeah. average. You know, I wasn't a stud. Same with powerlifting. I'm average, but I can, you know, show someone how to hip hinge.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, you know, it's it is what it is. Like, yeah. uh, it's fine. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna walk into Carly's office and be like, I'm gonna squat 500 pounds today. Like, you know, no, no, no. no, I'm not. <laughs> I don't no, know. If no, I, I can, can squat 300 pounds right now. No. You um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, my biggest one is just if you're gonna question me. Do it appropriately. Yeah. Don't don't be a dick.
0: <laughs> don't be a um, dick. It's a good good uh good <laughs> good yeah. general rule of thumb. I think the only rule in my gym is say it don't says on the board uh, don't be an asshole. Yeah, it's pretty much the same concept.
1: Um, I guess my second one is just do your job. Do what you're supposed to be doing. Like yeah. don't.
0: That's definitely one of mine.
1: Don't not do it. <laughs> like yeah. Like, that's, that's the most frustrating thing thing as a coach. Like, you put together... How much time does it take to put together a program? A ton. And, you know, you're putting in all of this effort and all of this thought yeah. just to have someone look at it and be like, yeah, I don't feel like doing that. Like, that's just such a slap in the face. Yes. Um, and it sucks. So, do what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Like, if I tell you to do something on your own, I'm putting enough trust in you that you're going to do that. And if you're not then that circle of trust is broken. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's definitely number two. Um, number three, I guess, would be just take care of yourself. So I think that's more so with my college athletes. It's somewhat with my IFS athletes. And I've had a conversation with a couple of them that are, you know, starting to shift that balance into, you know, burning out and managing Mm -hmm. the pressures of school and practice and all of that. But ultimately like, yes, your sport is important and the numbers in the gym are important, but you need to take a step back sometimes and look at the big picture and take care of yourself. Yeah. Like, don't make it the be all end all. Like if you have a crappy day of practice, okay, it happens. Like we'll reevaluate it, but don't turn it into this end of the world scenario yeah. you know
0: yeah not mm-hmm. everything's the end of the world at no the end of the day. i mean it's just uh playing sports and lifting weights yeah it is literally not like i mean it's about. good to be
1: passionate about it but yes have that balance balance what about you what are your three
0: <laughs> i think i briefly already just spoke about it but um honestly don't let it don't let me want it more than you it yes. is my is my biggest thing um i put a lot of of my heart and soul into my job and i put a lot of time um effort is I, i don't i don't shouldn't have to say how much effort i put into it but it's the heart and soul aspect is what really gets me if i'm gonna really want help you get to where you need to be and want it just as bad as you don't Ma- don't not match my energy. Yeah. You need to match the same energy that I'm putting out for you. Yeah. Um, it, it's extremely frustrating when I have athletes that just like give the fuck up. Because, oh, it's the worst. Um, and.
1: And I'm sure I've done it to you, and I'm sorry, but, <laughs> but it's, it's <laughs> I mean, the there's, worst. Uh, there's <laughs> a lot of
0: life gets in the way, and I understand that. But at the end of the day, you should still mentally want it. Yeah. As much as. Do you say that you do? Or if, if you, you said that you did? It. And I guess a lot of it also, you know, I guess that segues into my my next point was um, do your job too. I mean, doing your job is, is 100% important. And if your job changes, right? So let's say, for example, I have a powerlifting athlete who maybe isn't in it anymore, right? But they're not communicating that thing. Mm-hmm. How am I supposed to know that? Yeah, you how, know how am I supposed to help you if, you know, I'm expecting you to do your job, and but you want your job to change. Right. But you haven't communicated that, and you've wanted that for the last three months. And I'm questioning what the hell is going on. Why why aren't we getting to where we need to get to? Right. Um, and I think my last one is be a complete athlete. Um, be a complete athlete and uh, and control the things that you can control. That's a good one. Um, you can control how much sleep you get. You can control how much food that you get. You can control how much good food that you can get. You can control hydration. You can somewhat control stress to a certain extent. Obviously, there are some things that just happen that are out of your out of your control. Um, a lot of these things that encompass the other aspect of being a good athlete, doing your job, mm-hmm. getting your work in, if you're sore, Take care of it. Mm -hmm. If you're not taking care of your body, why aren't you taking care of your body? Yes. There are plenty of things that an athlete can do to better themselves. And if they aren't doing everything to better themselves and we don't have a good performance, how can we exactly pick out what needs to change? Right. If you have a bad meat performance or a bad game performance, but you're not doing your aspect, you know that you were getting fucking shit-faced three days a week. Or you weren't getting enough sleep because you were going to bed at three in the morning. Or you're fighting with your parents every single day. Mm -hmm. And then you go to practice and you're sucking, and then you go to a game and it sucks even more. Mm -hmm. If you go into training sessions, lethargic, you haven't eaten all day, Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, I didn't have time. Make time. You're not helping yourself become a complete athlete. You're not controlling the factors that you can control. Now, again, the, that comes probably part of my um, control freak uh, tendencies. Um, but at the end of the day, if you want something as badly as you say you do, and again, I always refer back to the eval that we first have. I'm going based on the goals that you tell me. Yes. And if those things change... That's called have communication. And that's probably, if I get out of fourth, that would probably be the fourth one is communication. That's for a big one. If you're not communicating what your needs are and if I'm not meeting your needs, how are we supposed to fix the issue? Right. And again, you, you touched on it when you were going through your pet peeves of, of communication. Uh, when you were saying, um, I forgot what you were touching on, but it was something along the lines of um, not expressing something. Yeah. And if you're not expressing how you're feeling or what's hurting or if anything, right, how are we supposed to help you?
1: We're not empaths. We don't know no. what's going on. We are not. And we've got everything that you're dealing with individually that you expect us to just know, if you're on a team, amplify that by the number of your teammates, and they're all expecting the same thing.
0: And if you're an athlete listening to this, one of, whether it's uh, one of Maggie's athletes or one of my athletes... This isn't... If you're feeling guilty or if you're feeling some (laughs) sort of like subconscious, like, oh, he's definitely talking about me right now, this is a general statement. This is not a cop-out for us to be like a... um, What's a good way of saying it? Like, uh, this isn't a fallback plan for if the job doesn't get done. No, this is like something we go through almost every single day of people not doing their part or what hurts us helping you guys because yeah. at the end of the day
1: i keep my athletes i'm honest with them right away
0: yeah
1: i call them out on it
0: i do too i do yeah. it more in a joking manner but yeah. sometimes the joking manner doesn't get the job done and that's when they have to come to the office and yeah. every athlete knows if they have to go into my office usually doesn't mean that it's a good conversation or not necessarily a bad conversation but it's a conversation that we have to be a little bit more serious about
1: Dude, I've been in that office so many times. <laughs> that is not that true. <laughs> not that true.
0: <laughs> we have to define what so many means. But yes.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think we can both attest to the fact that we've been fortunate enough to have a majority of our athletes be phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And meet or exceed our expectations. Yes. Um, which is why we still both coach. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, there's always going to be, and it's with anything, there's always going to be a couple that... You know, you look back on it and you're like, eh. But, yeah. you know, we obviously are still doing this because we've had success with it. And we enjoy who we've worked with. And, you know, that's what keeps us going. Yeah.
0: I mean, obviously you always think about the couple of shitheads that you've had. Yeah. Um, And you're just like, why are you being a shithead? Um, but, I mean, it, those shitheads don't always ruin it for everyone else.
1: And there's something to be taken from working with them, too. You yeah. know, it gives you a chance to you look back and be like, why did that happen? And you kind of reassess you know, what could have been done to maybe prevent that.
0: Well, I think the, that's a good point that you bring up because it's something for me that I've been, as I said in the last year, I've been at the point where I can say no.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I don't want to work with a shithead. Yeah. I, I'm at the liberty now where I can say that. I don't want to work with this person. Uh, I can tell that we don't match. I've had... These conversations with other people before, uh, where I have either politely removed them from the from the gym or our team or our culture, um, or uh, like we talked about last week, those those people find themselves out. Yes, they, they weed themselves out. Yes. Uh, yeah. Let's briefly let's touch on a little bit of. Making an informed decision, because I think we're upwards of almost an hour now.
1: Yeah, we've we'll yeah. been chatting a while. Well, we'll, you guys are probably sick of us at this
0: point. I apologize, but this this informed decision is also uh, pretty important for me um, on how you should choose um, a coach uh, based on some some certain personality traits. I think a good thing, you know, a difference between, sometimes if you're on a team sport, you don't really get to choose your coaches. Yes, that's uh, true. You know, But if you're a college, uh, high school athlete looking to make a college decision, you pretty much are choosing the mm-hmm. coach and athlete. So sure, some of these can really apply to you. Um, I'll probably touch on two or three and I'll have Maggie kind of touch on two or three as well. Um, know your needs. Uh, what are your needs as an athlete? Are you needy? Are you someone that needs constant attention? Are you someone that can suffice on their own. Um, If you know that about yourself, that can also help you make a good decision on choosing a coach. Mm -hmm. If you know that you need someone constantly, choose an in-house coach. If you need someone a little bit more hands-off, then choose a remote coach. Mm -hmm. If you need someone kind of level balance of both, then find someone on a level balance of both. But at the end of the day, know what you need as an athlete and see what that coach has to offer. If it's someone you know is not going to be with you hand and foot through everything or isn't going to show up to your events or isn't going to care to show up to your events, then don't choose that person if that's something that you need. Yes. Second bullet point for me would be, oh man, I just had a brain fart. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) oh man that was a good one too uh you choose one because i'm having a brain fart (laughs) um
1: all right my first one would probably be to know how you learn best so it kind of piggybacks off of what carly was just saying but you know you think about for me i kind of have a mix of different learning styles but um i am the type that i need to see a movement In order to understand it, I'm very much a visual learner. I'm also a kinesthetic learner, so I need to actually move through the movement to understand it. Um, And I find that, you know, when I'm choosing a coach, if I need to move through the movement with some cueing, then I want a coach that's going to be right next to me. So, you know, perfect example is when I started to learn Olympic lifting, I I could watch videos and kind of just give it a go, but I wanted to really understand the movement so working with carly he was able to have me go through it but then talk me through what i should be feeling or where i should be you know firing or whatever the case may be Um, and that's how i best learned it i would watch him show me what i needed to do but then also have him talk me through what i needed to be doing and you know if i was using an online coach who yeah they could like send me videos but there's a little bit of me trying to figure it out on my own too in that sense yeah so um i would say you know know how you learn best you yeah. know if you're someone who someone's coaching you and you have to look at them to understand what they're telling you you're a visual learner so kind Absolutely. of take a step back and think about that do you think of your second one
0: yes results don't always tell the whole story
1: that's such a good one
0: um yeah see i was telling Dude, you it that's was a, such good one. a good one um okay this is going i'm only going to say two because we've touched on a lot of things today and and i don't want to bore you any longer than we already have um but results don't always tell the whole story about everything so take it from uh, if you would say the best coaches in the world right Uh, if let's go i'm in the i'm really involved in the sport of powerlifting let's go with the sport of powerlifting right Get to know about all of the athletes that that person is coaching. Mm -hmm. What are all of the athletes doing? I am very um, transparent when it comes to my results. I post about every single person regardless if they've done bad, regardless if they've done good. A lot of the times you will only see coaches post about good things. You won't necessarily see them post about bad things. You won't see about, oh, um, this client has only made five kilos progress over two years on their total. You won't hear about them as much. You can't weed through everything on social media because chances are if that person isn't posting, chances are they're probably not doing as great. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm in a weird pickle position because most of my athletes don't post shit about lifting. So I have to beg (laughs) them for videos so I can post something. But I think one time I did uh, um, just a little thing for myself. I posted 50 different people in a row over the summer this year and of people making progress. 50 different people in a row, different posts, to see what kind of progress that they're making. And they're all hitting PRs. And out of the 115 that I coach, I would say chances are 85 to 90% of them are making progress on a routinely basis. There are obviously some, if they have injuries, that falls out of that 85%. Um, if they are stuttering in and in something, uh, something's not stalling, um, then sure, they're they're out of that 85%. But I would say 85 to 90% at all times are consistently making progress, if not working on certain things on on the comeback. Um, but results don't always see the best coaches, coast to best athlete, athletes. Those athletes are already gifted, right? Like we'll go back to Alabama football. They get the cream of the crop because they're Alabama football.
1: Yeah, they get all the outliers.
0: All of the top, quote-unquote, top powerlifting coaches might get all of the top powerlifting athletes because they put out, quote-unquote, the best results. Mm -hmm. But does that tell you about them as a person? I don't quite think so.
1: They might already get someone who's, you know, genetically a stud. They don't have to do much. Just throw a barbell There's a
0: specific coach in mind, and and I'm not going to name the name because I really don't, like this person, I'm not even going to give you gender. Um, But it really, really gets to me at how he gets. (laughs) I'm not going to give gender. Damn it. Um, (laughs) How they get great athletes when I, they just have great athletes and they just make them, they make them a little bit better. And you know, the progress lineage, if you go on a graph is not going to be as vast as some other coach. So Just do your research, dig more deep, uh, dig deeper into it, and really um, get an idea of what you're getting yourself into with that coach.
1: Yeah, and I think my second one kind of goes off of that. Um, It's okay to research by talking to athletes. Absolutely. Like, you know, I can attest this with both collegiate athletics and our, you know, facility at IFS. Um, I have recruits talk directly to athletes when I'm not there because then the truth comes out and I you know if you get a coach that's confident enough to expose you to that opportunity then that's a good sign you know if you have a coach who's like yeah yeah like we've got it covered don't worry like kind of like used car salesman like pushing you out of that um that's not a great sign but you know I'll have you know recruits stay overnight with athletes and um, really get the full experience and they'll talk to them about you know what it's like managing schedules and you know how i handle you know practices or punishment you know they talk about punishment practice all the time yeah. like you know what happens if i get mad um same thing for ifs we have that's how we make our business is parents and athletes talking to their teammates and their other athletes and you know if you're going to be a successful coach in Private strength and conditioning we talked about this you know last time you know you're you're the face of your product so um you know when an athlete is choosing a coach they're gonna find out from current athletes you know what their experience has been like
0: and all of them will share the same experiences too i I love taking on new athletes and they're like man is peaking supposed to feel like this and then every every other vet who's been with me for like, a while yep. is like, yeah. <laughs> Why
1: wow, you feel like you're gonna die? Yeah, you're doing <laughs> yeah, it right.
0: You're, you're <laughs> about where you need to be. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, everyone shares that central um, uh, camaraderie. Uh, also, once they build that relationship. And then
1: again, it circles right back to if you're building a team dynamic, you're starting to establish that circle yep. of camaraderie. Absolutely. So full circle.
0: Full circle. Environment, culture. Uh, relationship building. Yes. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Good. Yeah. Yeah. That was a long one. I apologize. I applaud to all the troopers uh, that stayed with us throughout this uh, 60 to uh, 70 80 minute podcast today. Um, But I also am questioning why you wanted to listen to us for that one. Willingly.
1: No, we we appreciate you guys sticking around and listening and Um, we've got a couple exciting ones planned out for the next few weeks that are going to be a little more lighthearted, kind of stray away from this coaching series that we've done. Um, so we look forward to recording that.
0: Yeah. Um, again, please subscribe, uh, to both on iTunes and Spotify. Please, uh, give us some ratings, which also helps Yes. uh, as well as, uh, yeah. If you have any questions, reach out to us on social media avenues and
1: yeah, I'll link our social media down below. Um, in the description and we look forward to hearing from you
0: yeah stay safe uh throughout this whole quarantine thing because i know at least in new york it's uh for another month so. another
1: month man so you guys get us another month
0: at least yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but thank you we appreciate it
0: see ya